Hey, and welcome to Dying to Ask. So how do you like working from home? I get asked that question a lot. It always feels a little loaded too. I'm not sure what people think I'm going to say. I mean, I like it fine. Do I want to work here forever? Nope, sure don't, but you know, it's been okay. The second question I often get asked about the work from home experience is, what's that tree in your background? <laughs> I had to look it up. It's called a fiddle leaf fig, if you're curious. It's like the fern of the 2020s, given how many of them I see on TV news anchors' backgrounds these days. Um, great tree, but heads up, they get really dusty. So keep that in mind. Should you bring one into your life? I digress. So one of the things that I have grown to uh, embrace about working from home is productivity. I like, I like to be busy. I like a list. I like to check things off my list. I like to get things done. And I like to be able to look back at the end of the day and say, I did all that stuff. I'm amazing. So one of the things that's on my list is I do a social media swing about midway through the morning, about 10 or 15 minutes, and I post links to our Facebook pages. I look onto Instagram. I go onto Twitter at like as short a time as possible because I can't stand Twitter. But I go and I look at Twitter just to make sure, you know, nobody has added me with anything they shouldn't have. So I'm on Twitter yesterday and I read this tweet that was posted by Katherine Reynolds Lewis, who's a former guest on this show. She's a parenting expert. And I read this tweet and it really spoke to me. The tweet said this, reminder, this week is likely going to feel even harder than last week, given that one, week one of re-entry after the holidays tends to be welcomed with more flexibility. And number two, hello, national crisis. Look for any and all tiny moments for comfort plus recovery plus care. Right now, is a lot. That last part right now is a lot. Amen. The end. And that is how Dr. Christine Coe, who had originally sent out that tweet, ended up on this week's Dying to Ask. Like 24 hours later, I went down this rabbit hole. I sent her a note. She wrote me back. And so today we're having a great great conversation. Listen to Christine's bio. Christine Coe is a music and brain scientist turned multimedia creative. She spent a decade in academia, during which time she was awarded prestigious fellowships from the National Institutes of Health to fund her PhD research at Queens University Hospital, Harvard, and MIT. Then she got out of academia and she unleashed all things creative online. How about that? I mean, such an interesting bio. She is the co-founder of, or she's the founder rather, of Boston Mamas. She is the co-host of a podcast called The Edit Your Life Show, which describes itself as helping you edit your life to make room for awesome. Great tagline. She wrote a book called Minimalist Parenting, A Way to Enjoy Family Life While Doing Less clearly pre-pandemic, before we were doing 17 lunches a day. She started a fashion line, and she's the creative director of something called Women Online. It's a creative firm that uses social media to connect positively with women for important things like cancer awareness. I mean, have you ever heard of a more right brain, left brain person? I mean, like that is like equally split down the middle, right brain, left brain. I can't even match socks these days. And she's pulling off all this stuff. So on this Dying to Ask, we're talking to Christine about the scientific reasons of why we feel so much overwhelm right now, why life feels like it is so much these days, why we're tired even on the days when we got decent sleep. And Christine has three ways to give your brain a break to help you feel more calm. And I think they'll work. <laughs> this is good stuff. And I think all of us need a little Dr. Christine Coe in our lives. Here is Dying to Ask. 
I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I know two things. One, that phrase, I'll sleep when I'm dead, is starting to seem likely. And two, the best conversations take time. Dying to Ask is my chance to have longer, more meaningful conversations without a producer yelling rap in my ear. Personal change requires personal growth. And these days, Plan B is the new Plan A. Ready to do life bigger and better despite the Rona? This is Dying to Ask. Christine, it is so nice to connect with you. Yes, hello. Thank you for having me on. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you on. And uh, full disclosure, I found you on Twitter literally yesterday. <laughs> this is how the internet works. This I love is, it. Well, this is when Twitter's a good thing, you know, when Twitter goes <laughs> the right way. Um, and here's what I read. And, and somebody I know, we have a mutual connection who had retweeted you and you had tweeted out this week is likely going to feel even harder than last week given that one week one of re-entry after the holidays tends to be welcome with more flexibility and two hello national crisis look for any and all tiny moments of comfort and recovery and care right now is a lot oh, right sister. now is a lot <laughs> <laughs> hashtag understatement Hashtag, you're speaking my language. Um, yeah, it is a lot. It is really a lot. When when you wrote that and put it out there, what was kind of going on in your mind? Well, um, and I'm just pulling it up when uh, right now. But you know, the, that post was actually a follow up to something I had written on, um, posted on Instagram or Facebook or somewhere, the internet, um, on the previous Sunday, January third, because I woke up that day feeling that was Sunday before the classic reentry on January fourth. And I was feeling both um, just immense dread at going back to work and also excitement because I love working and I have all the, I had all clarity about what I was going to do. And it occurred to me, I was like, you know, a lot of people are probably carrying these feelings. And I sort of made some recommendations about how to sort of, you know, be kind to yourself as we went into reentry week and the post went crazy. It was like one of these things where you, you're just writing something and then all of a sudden it takes off and you didn't expect it. So then we arrive at the next week, the beginning of the week, and I was like, this week is actually going to be worse. <laughs> because, and mostly yeah. because I realized that there is great, I do think there is sort of collective grace and understanding about the first work week of a new year after the holidays and people like ease off a little bit. And so I, um, I realized that all the meetings that people were not scheduling that first weekend were now happening. And so actually, because I'm a quantitative nerd, I went to my calendar and I counted the number of, of calendar, like meetings and appointments I had last week versus this current week or the first week of reentry versus the second. And it was almost quadruple. Wow. I mean, it was real. So yeah. I, I, you know, it, I knew that it was going to be hard for people. And I think everybody just feels like everything is really hard right now. Oh my gosh, isn't that the truth? Okay, because you went there, quantitative nerd, you called yourself that. Um, <laughs> you have one of the most interesting bios I think I've ever read. It is as right brain as it is left brain. So can we go into a little bit on your background? Because sure. it really, I mean, you have done a little bit of everything. Yeah, well, I mean, um, I, you know, your listeners can't see this, but, you know, I'm Korean and like all Korean kids, I played violin for 20 plus years <laughs> and um, Asian people can say that. Um, and so, and I was really fascinated well, when I was- Disclosure, in... I'm Irish. I did Irish dancing for 10 years. So well, I think see, that, might be, that might be our shared first generation thing. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Um, so I had developed this real interest in music and psychology. Turned out there was a whole field there. So I actually have a PhD in music and brain science. Um, I 
went all the way through the PhD. And then my last um, academic stop was as a postdoc uh, with a very fancy sounding triple appointment at Mass General Hospital, Harvard Medical and MIT in Boston. And after I finished, I decided I was done and I didn't want to do it anymore. I was um, a new mom at the time. My father uh, was very sick and had recently passed away. And I realized um, I love working. I wanted to work and I just needed something that was more creative and flexible and gave me more autonomy. And so I left, I left the internet, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> was the music part of it though, pretty creative? Because I mean, I understand the psychology part, but, but the music part I would think would have brought that creativity into the kind of work you were doing. Yes. Yes. I think I just, um, you know, the, I respect all of my friends who are still in academia so much and it is such, you know, science, yay science. I'm so pro science. <laughs> um, and you know, it's kind of a slow moving train and academia is it's, um, you know, I really wanted to, I was committed to staying in Boston and, you know, to do what I would have needed to do to try to slog it out as a junior faculty member in Boston. I just, that's not what, you know, where my interests were at, at the time that that's what my life track would have been. So, um, you know, it was, it was both an easy decision to decide to change course and also seemed totally nuts, but right. you know, the people yeah. who, the people who, I guess I will say like all of us want our mother's approval. Right. And when I went to my mom, to tell her, I was of course dreading it because my parents were so thrilled that I was a scientist and I was officially a doctor. And she said, I just want you to be happy. I mean, my father had passed away. She yeah. just wanted me to be happy, which is like the dream thing you hope every parent will say, but like a lot of us are left wanting. Right. So. But it's interesting. And maybe, um, maybe yeah. with a Korean American background, it's similar to an Irish Catholic, an Irish American background, which is what I have. I'm first generation. And um, the idea of disappointment in a job or changing, leaving a really sure. great job is a sure. big deal with parents who often sacrifice a lot to move to another country. So it's, oh, inter absolutely. it's interesting that your mother would have that very warm, welcoming thing that maybe you didn't necessarily see coming. I did not see it coming. And maybe dial it back five or 10 years from then, that would not have been the party absolutely, line. Yeah. But given the circumstances of her life, and you know, there were also some issues with my postdoc that you know, she knew I was really not happy. And so, um, you know, to move on. And then I think she still doesn't quite understand what it is I do now, but, <laughs> which is well, fine. I mean, my parents I'm didn't really understand. I'm with your mom, because I read through your bio. I'm like, oh my gosh, she does everything. She's written a book called Minimalist Parenting. She hosts two podcasts. She writes for Boston Mamas. I mean, you do a little bit of everything and it's really very creative, but it, at the core of it is you're a communicator about a lot of issues that you can do, a lot of things in your life that you can try to make better by making simple changes. Am I dumbing it down too much? No, or is that kind you, of you are right on okay. the money. And thank goodness uh, my website re rehash in the you last year oh, kind of, kind of, money kind well of got spent. that through. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, here lies the in-house designer. But um, yeah, I, I think there, at first blush, you know, my work kind of might look all over the place, but really the thread that runs through it is I just want to help people sort of find that permission, you know, to sort of live the life they, the way they want to live it and to um, tune out the shoulds and tune out yeah. the sort of guilt around things and really figure out what it is they want to do, even if it doesn't necessarily go with what everybody else is doing. And you were really going down this path before the rest of us um, went under house arrest with quarantine this year <laughs> and started to discover a lot of these common threads. Because these are things that I hear a lot of my girlfriends, a lot of the moms in my mom group saying, eh, you know, I'm going to make 
make some different choices. Maybe we don't need to do as many activities. Maybe we can pare some of these things down. Maybe I really don't like those people that I've been hanging out with. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I yeah. just want a different, more simple life because that grounds me in a different kind of way. Do you hear a lot of that from women across the country? Yes. I mean, I think that, so yes, I've been having these conversations, you know, for ages. The, the book Minimalist Parenting came out in like 2013 and then the edit your life podcast which is really the sort of general lifestyle umbrella of my work is that we started that in 2015 so it's been a long time but i think the remarkable thing that has happened painful as it's been mm -hmm. during the pandemic is that all of us have been forced to edit our lives in ways we were not expecting um some of it has been extraordinarily painful some of it has been like joyful discovery um, so it's been really interesting. And I think a lot of people have been having those exact conversations you're having with your friends, you know, about, wow, like, you know, this situation as horrendous as it is, is giving me the space to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to sort of turn, you know, edit that relationship out, or I'm going to try to live my life this different way. Or, you know, those big family holiday gatherings, gatherings were super stressful for me. So let's start doing it another way. And that part of it is, you know, I'm, no, by no means a Pollyanna, but that part of it has been really wonderful to see. It's very eye-opening for sure. Yeah. Um, for that sure. said, comma, as we head into 2021, the overwhelm that I hear people talking about is significant. Um, and for a lot of people, uh, they're realizing that they've been living with this low-lying anxiety stress for the last 10 months that maybe is starting to become less and less um, doable. Why are, why are so many of us starting to hit this wall at this point? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good, ref, good framing of it. I think that why this is probably hitting us right now, especially, is because, um, you know, the new year at a baseline is the time where we're like, turn and turn a fresh, you know, time for a fresh start, turn the page, um, you know, inspiration pour and all this stuff. <laughs> and uh, new planner. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to plan all the things because I bought this amazing new planner. Uh -huh, that's me. And, and that is just, that's just, you know, new year's at a baseline. So now new year's with the pandemic, I think everybody has felt like, okay, really, really, really want to turn the page. Like that was a trash can year. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're in the same place, basically, possibly feeling worse because of everything that's going on, you know, in the capital. So I think it's just, you know, people, re even though they know the facts of what is happening and how long it takes to get vaccinations to roll out and what have you, I think our mental, we're so tuned mentally to think, ah, January, things are going to be better. And so then to not have them be better and to potentially get worse it's just a real blow for people. So yeah. I think that's why, you know, really tuning into the things that will protect and, you know, restore you are so important now. And I've been having so many conversations with people about that. So put your science hat back on. How can <laughs> we, can you think yourself happy out of this? I mean, I I think you, you may need some distraction. I think that, um, <laughs> I think it's important, you know, one of the things I've been talking to, talking about a lot online is, you know, everybody talks about self-care and I think some people roll their eyes because they feel like, oh my gosh, I don't like manicures or I can't get a manicure right now. Quick, but quick I pause. have really, I can't yeah. stand that. I, I love the idea of self-care, but I really feel like it needs a rebranding. 
Well, so I've been working on that. So you are? I've been, I am. So I, um, I have been calling it protective and restorative care because I'll take that because it it's more it's far more nuanced than just like self care. There's and something the, about what what is it about that I hear other people say it. I don't think it's just me, but what is it about the the phrase self care that just sounds so like you know? I mean, I think it is economical and characters, which is wonderful, but I think it's just too simplistic. And so the reason I like protective and restorative care is because they're kind of two things that need to happen at the same time in order for things to stick. So for example, you know, protective care would be like really, you know, letting go of or setting some boundaries around toxic people, toxic relationships. And the um, restorative side of that is really leaning into the relationships that feel nurturing to you. So like texting your girlfriends or like, you know, sending silly gifs or whatever. But, and those two things need to happen together, I think. And so it's it's more complicated and it's not as economical in yeah, characters. I like that. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm- I'll send you, a, I, I even made a graphic and posted it on Instagram. I'll send it to you so, yes, you, so you can please. see what I mean. Cause there are several examples and it's not rocket science, but I think it, it requires just like another level of thinking it through. Right. But if it was rocket science, you're totally equipped to do that too. I mean, yeah, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I would like to go to adult space camp, but <laughs> wouldn't that be a blast? Wouldn't that be amazing? My yeah. friend Stephanie went to space camp when she was a kid and it's still one of the number one things she's asked about as an adult. I know. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. That would be fun. You'd be fun to go to space camp with. Oh, um, yay. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> what are some um, What are some things that you have found really help people? Maybe some things that we wouldn't necessarily think of to, to get into a better uh, brain space right now. Yeah, I think, um, you know, honestly, a lot of the things are really simple. I think food is like a good <laughs> one. And I don't mean just, um, you know, like, going face down in a sheet cake, you know, that might be therapeutic no at some, no judgment, no. but I mean, but seriously, like nurturing comfort foods, there's a reason they're called comfort foods. Um, you know, I know as we speak, my husband is picking up a gluten-free pizza for me and it feels like the most loving act that oh my gosh. <laughs> in the what whole world. He's a keeper. What a keeper. Yeah. He just texted me and said, do you want gluten-free pizza? I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, that I think, um, I actually, really, and I mentioned relationships earlier, but I think that it's not, again, it's not rocket science, but they're more important than ever because we already know we can't really see people the way that we, you know, have seen them. So I think they, people just kind of slide off our radar. Um, so I think the more you can reach out to people just, and I'm just talking quick texts. I'm not talking like if you're a phone phobe, keep being you. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, sending quick, quick notes, sending, you can send voice messages um, through Voxer or through Instagram, you know, messages. There are all sorts of little ways that you can connect with people. And really right now, I think people need to know that somebody else is thinking of them. Yeah. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it means, it means a lot when, when you do that. I have found, and I've heard other people say this as well, that my circle has really shrunk in the last 10 months because I don't see as many people. I'm not hanging with the moms after school. We're not going out to school nights or anything like that. So yeah. my, my circle is, is quite small. It's a couple of girls that I run with, and that's kind of it. And, you know, a few people that I keep in touch with um, through texting, if they live across the country, you know, to check in with. Is that something that you think is kind of a natural side effect of... Um, what we've been through in the last 10 months? 
Yeah, I, I think that would be a totally natural progression. I mean, certainly um, that has been the case for me as well. Although I, I'm both like, I'm kind of definitely somewhere midway in the introvert to extrovert scale. Like everybody thinks I'm extroverted, but then I'm actually quite introverted. So I I think it that will depend on your um, personality that way. Like, for example, I always, I can function really well in a group gathering and do the small talk, but it's quite exhausting for me. So I will always choose a smaller gathering um, and an intimate group of friends over a giant party. So, um, but yes, I think a lot of people are um, feeling that. And also, you know, it might also be because they feel like communication is too hard because they feel like they need to like either have an hour phone call or, you know, write a long email. And so that's why I'm saying just those quick touch points. I have one friend who is a dear friend and we just often communicate by emojis. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) And when we have time, we'll go deeper. And this weekend we talked for like two hours, but through the busy work week, you know, it'll just be emojis. And it's literally just a like, I'm thinking of you. I love you ping. And that means a lot. There have been times this year where I have described, um, you know, just kind of the overwhelm of certain situations that my my brain feels like scrambled eggs. Um, That's the only way I can describe it. Is that, um, (laughs) not looking for a diagnosis, but is is that, is that a totally normal, (laughs) you're super normal. (laughs) Is that a common thing that people feel? And what does that actually mean in perhaps more PhD terms when people say that they just feel like they can't think? Yeah, I mean, I think right now we are all distracted just to an extraordinary level. I mean, I I have had times when, you know, I'll pick up my phone, you know, I'm switching between my computer, like you, I'm sure I'm switching between my computer and I go to my phone and I, the the moments when I'm like, wow, this is not like who I want to be is when I pick up my phone to go do something. I like actually get out of my chair and then I can't remember why I came there. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh no, this is kind of alarming. I am my mother. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So I would really recommend what I've been talking a lot to people about this particular week and these couple weeks of reentry is we all have a lot on us like every single day. And so to really prioritize things. um, And so, you know, whether you're a paper planner or you use a digital planner or whatever, you know, I usually wake up with because of the range of my projects, like anywhere from like 60 to 80 to do items in a day. And it's like, if you just stare at the list, you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to like go hide in my closet. That can't be good. Yeah, it's not good. It's I mean, it's all like, (laughs) it's all good, but it's a lot. Yeah. So I have been telling people- Are you a paper or a digital person? I'm a digital person. I use an app called Todoist. There is a free version, but I Uh use the paid version because I love it. And because um, you're so hardcore, what I do the, if you got 60 things on that list, I am hardcore. I think they give you some like they give you levels of achievement, and I think I'm a grandmaster now. Um, but <laughs> but seriously, what I do do in the morning is I just do a real high level, and I say to myself, "Okay, Christine, I know this list is long, but what are one to three essential things you need to get done today? And otherwise, like flag those. Mm-hmm. Try to stay focused and." If the other stuff doesn't get done today, it's okay. So when and you so, make that yeah. list and it's super, super long, I mean, you're basically doing a brain dump, right? Of all the stuff that's up up in that noggin that you need to get out. I mean, is some of that also just to kind of let it go? I think, well, for not, me- Not for me to put on the psychologist hat or anything, Oh, but... no, it's fine. I mean, it could be. I think that the reason these lists are so long, and that probably sounds very horrific to people, is that a lot of my projects have- um, recurring weekly or daily tasks that are, are pretty predictable. 
And I found, I mean, like you, you know, producing a podcast, there are a million subtasks in it. So if you just put work on the podcast today, then you have to do the mental energy to figure out, okay, yeah, where did I leave off? What do I have to do? So every one of those sub steps is broken out. So I literally just go to my robot and I'm like, okay, what do I do today? <laughs> so it is, it is a way to alleviate sort of stress and distractibility is writing it all down. So you don't have to try to juggle, juggle it in memory. Um, you know, memory games are in fact really good for you and they're mm -hmm. like good to do as you age. But when it comes to the daily stuff that you need to do, especially if you're managing kid logistics and whatever else, just write it down. Yeah. Like so why like strain out, yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And then absolutely. do the priority on what it is that you've got to get done. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be work stuff. It could be, you know, I mean, We'll be coming up on taxes soon and whatever it could just be general organization whatever will feel like i i always think about the early days of parenting where you go through the whole day and it would be an exhausting busy day and you had no idea what you did that day yeah. because it was just <laughs> it was just all for somebody else so right i think it i'm trying to help people avoid that cycle so if you think of just one thing that matters to you that you want to do in a day prioritize that and and do it and then you'll feel like you'll just feel a little bit more calm at the end of yeah. the day, I think. And a little bit of accomplishment in a world where yeah. a lot of things are out of our hands. Absolutely. It's nice to know that you did pull a few things off in the day. Yes. Why, why is it so important from a scientific standpoint for our brains to get rest and to take a break? Oh, I mean, well, I think that, I mean, it's, I have never believed people who say, oh yeah, I can just sleep four hours a night and then I'm good to go. Like, our bodies need to repair. They need to restore. We can't, we can't be on like high alert all the time. And so I'm, I'm a huge advocate of like rest and boundaries. I know it might sound a little, people are always surprised when I say this, but I'm like, you know, I stopped working in the evening years ago. I just don't do it on the weekends. I'm really not working. Um, you know, I work incredibly hard and like super focused during the weekdays but then I have to rest. And um, because I will say otherwise, like other stuff starts to fall apart. Like I have a nagging shoulder injury that I know is because of mouse clicking. <laughs> it got so much better over the holiday break while I wasn't working as much. And now it's a disaster again. So we have to like, you know, constantly be thinking, okay, like this is the one body I have. Um, how can I give it enough like nurturing on a daily basis so that I can be in it for the long haul. Boundaries have been hard for a lot of people, especially for those who've had the opportunity oh to work from home, yes. but then you're also maybe doing homeschool as well. Boundaries have been very difficult this year. They have. And I will say one silver lining has been that I feel like finally uh, things like children and having children <laughs> are like an acknowledged reality. Whereas I feel like you had to kind of hide that before and, you know, who knows what, if, if you actually heard a dog or a kid in the background on a conference call. Now I feel like all those boundaries are kind of falling apart. And I think that's actually yeah. a good thing. You know, the other uh, silver lining, I mean, I have looked really hard, like with like the craziest goggles I can find for silver linings this year. Got to dig, got to dig deep. Got to oh, dig I have, deep. I've like, I have dug so deep. Um, but one thing that I think I will look back at is my kids have actually seen me do my job. And, you know, I, yeah. I work in television news and they've been yes. to the studio, but the studio is a really fun place, like going to a circus. Um, but they've seen me do the work work 
from home, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. has been entirely different and something I'd never done before. So it, it's been an interesting thing for them to see both of their parents um, in their element working and seeing what it takes to do a job these days. So um, like I said, I dug deep, but <laughs> that's what I came I out of it with. I know. And, you know, it is it is incredibly challenging. It requires like so much juggling. And if you do, you know, camera work or or podcasting or whatever, like you have to look for those pockets that, you know, where you feel like the likelihood of crazy distraction is yeah. like a little bit less than some sometime else. I mean, it's it's presented a whole level of challenges that are brand new for people. Absolutely. Well, what it, for, for women who, women especially, but, but women and men who are feeling that overwhelm heading into the year, what are maybe three things you would leave them with to, you know, kind of create the calm and give their brain a break heading into this year? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, my big overarching thing is to think small and to really think about those little things that are right within your reach that give you comfort, whether it's, it could be like tea, it could be reading, it could be, you know, texting funny gifs to a friend, it could be any, any manner of things. Um, And actually, I also recommend if people are really struggling, kind of holding on to that to like, just jot down like a quick list, you know, or put it in a, in a note in your phone or something. So you, when you're feeling stuck, you can have that list and be like, oh yeah, okay. I could choose from one of these things. It's like, choose your own adventure. I love it. They're like happy <laughs> triggers. Yeah, totally. And they, they totally work. I mean, if you, if you task yourself to think of five things right now, I'm sure you could think of them. So mm-hmm. I would task your listeners to do that. You know, think of five things. Um, I also think that uh, one thing that I often recommend that people kind of like squirm a little bit about is to not have your phone by your bed. I'm a real, <laughs> I'm a really strong believer in not subjecting yourself to the midnight doom scroll. Like uh-huh. I just, I get it. I really, really get it. But um, I think, you know, having, having the phone, this like living, breathing, pulsing thing next to you while you're sleeping is like really difficult. Um, Can and I then, just tell you, I yeah. stopped doing that this year. Not that I would get up and look at the phone, but I stopped doing it. I always thought that because I work as an early morning anchor, they needed to get hold of me at any time. And yeah. I always had it there. And then there were those nights where I would pick it up and I just quit doing it. And mm-hmm. the difference it made in my sleep because I relaxed quicker to go to sleep yeah. was amazing. And the reality was in 20 plus years of doing my job, I've been called in exactly once in the middle. I know. Of the isn't it amazing? One time. <laughs> One time. Yeah. I mean, if they yeah. need that badly, they'll come knock on the door. Trust me. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, whether okay, you open so it will be another thing. But That's true. That's um, true. Okay. So that's number two is leave the phone out of the bedroom. And what's maybe uh, one more? And then one more, honestly, I would say is find something that triggers laughter for you. It could be, I mean, we are not short on like comedic talent in this world. And, you know, so whether it's listening to stand up, whether it's reading a really funny writer, whether it's. Um, listening to a podcast with really funny people. I think that when things, I, I, sometimes I'll have a day where I've been like so head down and then somebody, one of my kids or my husband will make me laugh. Like that, you know, that kind of like Mm -hmm. really belly laugh and everything just feels better. So, um, you know, and there's, I'm sure there's science behind it, but laughing (laughs) is important and it's, so find, find something funny. If you, if I can think of, you know, I don't know if you're going to put show notes together or anything, but I, I I'm sure I've got rec- there are recommendations. Um, there are all sorts of funny people out there and, um, and the creative people need our support right now. Yeah. Goodness well, gracious, and there's so do. much absurd in our world. You will find something 
something yeah. to laugh about. Yeah. I mean, perhaps sure. it will be the regular newspaper or news broadcast and you could. Even, you'll have to laugh because otherwise you'd cry. <laughs> we, we have a joke behind the scenes of news that we'll have a story and I'll look at my coworker and say, you couldn't make this up. You, you really, really couldn't. couldn't make this up. I know. I've said that a lot this year. <laughs> I know. Well, Christine, it's been so great chatting with you. What are the best ways for people to keep up with you? Uh, the best place to find me is christineco.com. That's where all of my different projects live. And then on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, I'm Dr. Christine Co. And then the podcasts? Oh, yes, of course. And the podcast is Edit Your Life. Um, we're all about trying to help people figure out ways to get rid of the unnecessary so you have more room for the th- things you care about. It's a wonderful show and a phenomenal rabbit hole if you want to go down. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank I you. It's, it all it's day such a joy. I was doing things such around the house yesterday. But thank you so much. It's been really lovely talking to you. And I'm, I'm so glad I happened to find you on Twitter yesterday. I know. Well, I'm going to find you in all the places because I feel like you and I are so like connected. It's, I it's know, awesome. I know. I it's wish a good world. Did. I wish you did live next door. That I would know, be fun. I know. All right. <laughs> thank you, Christine. Take care. How are you finding more calm these days? Do you have some other ideas? Maybe in addition to what Christine just shared? You can always message me on Instagram. You'll find me at runreadsip. And if you have a second to share this show, if you got something out of it, make sure you share it out with your friends on Instagram or your favorite social media platforms. And if you could leave a rating and review, you know I am forever indebted. Thanks for listening this week. We'll see you next time on Dying to Ask.